Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the Director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. Hello there, and welcome to this episode, which features Maggie Harlow. And Maggie and her husband, Brian, are actually franchisees of Signorama. And Signorama is a large firm that obviously sells what? Signs. But I'll have her talk about that in a moment. Maggie's had a very interesting career prior to becoming a franchisee. She worked in the automotive business with her dad for about 13 years. And then she and her husband explored different franchises and they wanted a business opportunity that they could work in together. And they chose Signorama back in 2003. They have grown this business. They're actually in their third building. Their official name is Signorama Downtown, and they keep growing larger with each move. Maggie's also very involved in giving back to the community, which we'll explore as well because it's such an important part of her. But welcome, Maggie. And if you could tell us just a little bit more about you and your journey in becoming a franchisee, that'd be great. Well, thank you, Kathleen. That's a nice introduction. I'm so excited to be here. And I love talking about business. I love talking about franchising. So this is really fun for me. Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. So you've been in Louisville. Have you been in Louisville your whole life? Actually, we moved here when I was 11 for my father's business, um, so, but I feel like a native. I feel like I was born here. My husband was born here. So we, he has a big family. And um, so we have a lot of, and we have a lot of family that actually ended up living here. So we, we have a lot of roots here. Well, it makes sense that you have built your company here. So let's first start with a talk about Signorama. It's a 35-year business, and I read there are over 700 locations in 20 countries. Can you talk a little bit about the Signorama offerings and customers first? Absolutely. Signorama was started by Ray Titus. He um, Actually, his father started Minuteman Press, so he comes from a family of franchising. So when he was very young, in his 20s, he decided he wanted to start his own franchise And from the very beginning, Ray's uh, vision for um, franchisees is that they are truly entrepreneurs. They do not like to get in the way of that. They don't like to sell us product. They don't tell us exactly what to sell. Um, They don't tell us exactly what customers that we should sell to. It's, It's actually the opposite of the automotive franchise business where that's exactly what they do. And that is what drew me to Signorama is it's very much about taking care of the customers. So if a customer asks for something unusual, or if we decide we want to start offering um, a product or withdraw a product, they, they really don't get in our way. They're really about developing us as entrepreneurs and letting us serve our customers and our community. And that's what really drew me was the freedom to be my very own entrepreneur. You know, that's very unique in the franchising model. And typically you, you have to choose the exact same products and, and services. How do you drive consistency though with customers? Well, that's something you have to give up. <laughs> ah, gotcha. So, of course, the, you know, you pick your poison, as they say. So for Ray um, and the United Franchise Group brand, um, the Signorama brand in particular, there is that inconsistency. So um, they have to deal with that. They have to deal with people who don't want to use the branding exactly as they t- asked us to or want to um, sell other products or not sell signed products, uh, all the signed products available. And, and that does lead to some dilution, I think, um, in the brand. But he and I have had many a hearty debate about it um, because it, it's true that I may call a Signorama for help in another city. 
and I can't work with them because they don't do things like I do them, but that works in reverse as well. So it's really up to us to decide how we want to run a business um, and figure it out. And he's willing to deal with that. Okay, that's fascinating and, and quite unique. So that's one of the things that really interested you and your husband um, with the Sinorama franchise. But why did you decide to become a franchisee? That's a great question. When when uh, my father offered the business to me, he was a, a, an automotive dealer and I worked for him, ran the franchise and he offered it to me. And I thought about it for a long time. We even really decided we were going to proceed with me buying the business with a partner. But um, it wasn't to be. And the more I looked at it, I was like, you know, I don't love the automotive business the way my dad does. I'm not passionate about it. You have to be passionate about that kind of business. And the other thing is that small dealer is really dying. I could see the writing on the wall. It's now big conglomerates. They buy up multiple brands. They consolidate, uh, reduce their costs and could buy in multiple cities and multiple markets. So when I saw that, I was like, you know, it's probably better for his retirement to be in his hands. So we did decide to sell. And then I was like, okay, I'm out of a job. <laughs> um, and I worked for the, the new owners for a little while, but I really had realized that my dad had sculpted me to be an entrepreneur. He'd included me in meetings. He'd included me in all kinds of entrepreneurial experiences. So when I went to have a job, I couldn't do it. I was just sort of like, I need more information. I need to be in on these meetings. And of course they were like, who are you? Go away. So I realized I needed to be, I was not a great employee and I needed to be the boss. When we looked at opening a business, we considered lots of ideas, but I just kept coming back to franchising because I felt like I'm leaving an industry. I know the automotive business. I don't want to be in the automotive business, but if I buy a franchise, they have to teach me. So it was a funny experience choosing a franchise. I, you know, got on the website, like a lot of people and clicked around and send me brochures. Right. And so the brochures start coming in. My husband had no intention of going into business with me. He had his own business. So I would show him things. I'm like, Hey, look, a dog washing franchise. Hey, look, a restaurant franchise. I could fall in love with any idea. You know, just picture myself in it. He's like, are you crazy? You don't want to do that. You don't want to make food for people. You don't even cook. What do you, you don't even cook for me. Why would you want to cook for strangers? So yes, yes. <laughs> he helped me like kind of hone in and I had a list of what I wanted. And the sign business was, was a perfect match for what I wanted in terms of the hours and the clients I wanted to work with, the type of employees I wanted to have. And then on top of that, the Sinorama culture was just a, it was a slam dunk for us. It was an easy decision. Well, I love that you walked us through that because so oftentimes people wonder, how do I get started? And a lot of it is just searching around and talking it over. And I have to laugh at, you don't even cook. Why would you cook for strangers? <laughs> so, I mean, isn't that true though? And having, having that passion for what you do is so important. And I talk with my students about that all the time and it's a tough one, but it's also something that's important and your experience demonstrates that. Well, then the tough question, so you decide what you want to do. How do you raise that capital? Yeah. And you know, it's, um, it was, it was cobbled together from some savings um, and some financing. Of course, um, we finance the equipment. Our bank also gave us a line of credit that's secured by our home. And, you know, I mentor a lot of new business owners. I mentor people who are looking at Sinorama or other businesses and they say to me, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to secure my home. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to use that. And I'm like, well, if you're not willing to put it all on the line, you're probably not ready to be a business owner because, you know, yes, if, if you have the luxury of other forms of financing or cash, great. But to me, I was like, I'm in this, I'm committed. And yeah. yes, yeah, so let's put the home on the line because then I know I'm, I'm not going to end up homeless. I'm going to do whatever it takes. 
So it was just a lot of little things and that we kind of had to, had to scrape our pennies together. And then, um, we ended up in, in that first year of business needing some additional line of credit. And one of the things that I say to people when they ask me, how much should I ask for? I say, ask for everything they'll give you. Ask for the maximum they'll give you. You may not need it, but if you need it, the banks will not want to give it to you. That's the crazy thing about banking. When you need money, they're not that interested in giving it to you. So ask for it before you need it. Use it. Even if you don't need to use it, my dad taught me, like, get to know your banker. Use the line of credit up and down, walk in with a check to pay it off and see your banker and smile and say, I'm here to pay off my line of credit. You know that they want to see that they want, they want to see you use it. Um, so I, I, I did that, but in the, uh, that first year in business, we ended up getting a large pr- project that needed additional funding and I borrowed money from family. And then, you know, as soon as the project was finished, we were able to pay it off, but you have to be willing to put it on the line because would you loan money to someone to start a business if they weren't willing to put it all on the line? I wouldn't. True. Gosh, Maggie, I appreciate your transparency there. And I love what you said about cobbling it together and then putting it all on the line because you're right. If the owner isn't willing to put it on the line, why should the banker? But you go back to that R word that I teach my students, relationships. Oh my gosh, it's so much about relationships. Everything. Even the fact that you smile at your banker with your check. I mean, that just demonstrates that, hey, even though they're business, it is about those relationships for sure. Absolutely. Your banker is a critical relationship. It is a critical relationship. And if you don't want to spend time with your banker, you might want to find a new banker. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Now I read this article. It was a great article. It called you the Signorama superstar. Mm. And so you said to me, don't believe all the hype. Well, I believe that one. So tell us how you grew your business. Well, first I was utterly terrified from the day that I signed my franchise agreement. I was terrified from, you know, everything I did felt like, oh my God, I'm really doing this. So in a way that was fuel in my tank, I wasn't overconfident. I was not like, oh, I got this. I was just waking up every morning in terror. And so when the franchise told me how to do things, I did it exactly like they told me. I didn't question it. I didn't say, oh, I don't need to do that. Or I know better. Um, I literally followed them to a T and because my husband, I had my husband in business with me, which was wonderful. At first I was like, no, but then we got used to it, which we could talk about, but he was able to stay in the shop and run the shop. And I was able to go out and sell, sell, sell. And they, early on, they told me something that really stuck with me. I just said it to somebody today, actually, that I'm mentoring. You can make a sign at midnight, but you can't sell a sign at midnight. And so I learned that those daylight hours, those nine to five hours were my time to really focus on sales. And if I had to work until nine o'clock to write my quote or get my sign made, whatever, but I had to use that time, precious time to sell. So I I just was lucky that I had my husband committed to it and I was committed to it. I cold called every day for two hours a day and were knocked on doors and was told no million times over but we just kept, I just kept going and kept going and kept going. Um, And that persistence is what business ownership is about. You can't try something and go, well, that didn't work. You you just have to keep persisting and maybe adjust it or tweak it and keep moving. I mean, that persistence is what made it work was just, I sold my pants off. You sure did. (laughs) And you kept growing and growing. Well, speaking of selling um, a ton, tell us a little bit about what COVID did to the sign industry. COVID had 
differing effects on sign shops. I had sign shop friends who were like, we've never been so busy. I had a friend who sold a million dollars worth of sneeze guards, a million dollars worth of sneeze guards in one sign shop. I blew my mind for us and for many sign shops. And I would say maybe 50, 50, some sign shops just took off and some sign shops shrank. We shrank. We had a lot of senior care. So we had probably half a million dollars of projects in senior care ready like in process. And literally it was just like a hard stop, like just stop. And um, we couldn't come on the campus, even the ex- outside of the building. So we had a huge cut right off the bat. Boom, all that business was gone right away. Um, so we cut our team and um, went remote. We had some people in the shop doing production, but everyone else was remote. Um, so we took a huge, huge hit. We had a $4 million year in 2019 and 2020 was like a, million a year. So it was devastating to us. And then we just had to right size and then we had to recalibrate. But I I will admit it was a really tough, it was like recession. Like I got through the recession. That was tough. This was really tough, but we're, we feel the momentum coming back. Um, But it was interesting. It had a different, depending on what your client base was, you just had a, a different experience. You know, that is a unique perspective because it seemed like there was such an overabundance of signs needed in retail, especially on go this way, go that way, et cetera. But you're exactly right. It depends on what your customer base looks like. Uh Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, And I I have to know, what is it like working with your husband? How do you make that work? It's the best of times and the worst of times. Yes. Well, overall... We're very different sensibilities. Like, you know, my husband and I are literally probably, there was a spectrum of personalities. We are literally at each end. Um, but what we share in common is wanting to, to be successful. So we do share that kind of energy. The secret for us early on was sandboxes. We called it like, this is my sandbox and that's your sandbox. So my sandbox was sales and marketing. His sandbox was production. And we really tried to do our very best to learn to stay out of each other's way. It also took us a while to figure out who was in charge. So ultimately, um, I had a business, we hired a business coach to help us because we were just very much like, you know, pulling at at each other. And when he realized like being the CEO means you sit in meetings and you look at documents and spreadsheets and you generate, he was like, I'm out. You know what? You can be CEO. (laughs) So, (laughs) So we did have to, it took us maybe a year or two to really kind of sort out our roles, but he's amazing business partner. But learning how to like really separate it and say, this is work and this is home. Um, This is my role. But, you know, I also have to listen. I'm CEO and he always like, we don't agree. He'll immediately say, it's your decision. But so I appreciate that, that he respects that. But I always listen. You know, he has a great perspective and I always listen. I do think the fact that you're so different and you have different passions probably makes it work really well. Well, obviously it does work really well, but I do, I do admire that. That's not everyone can do that. So um, congratulations to the two of you. So do you foster relationships with other franchisees? How does that work within the system? Part of what I love about franchising, and I would say anybody who goes into franchising needs to really think about this, but part of what I love about franchising is the collaborative feel. Like I can call any Sinorama anywhere in the world and they're likely to take my call and and I'm likely to take their call and we help each other. So I have um, a group of three franchisees that I text every single workday. We greet each other in the morning. And um, so it's Bob in uh, Detroit and John out in Redding, California and Chris in Milwaukee. And the four of us are like little musketeers. And for years we have just texted each other, you know, great day, bad day, 
celebrating each other's successes. What vinyl do you use for this? And that is, you know, my sweet spot. Relationships is my sweet spot. So I love relationship building. Um, so my network relationships, my vendor relationships, even my franchise relationships, keeping my skirts um, clean and tidy with the franchise, making sure that I'm doing my part and they're doing their part. All of those kinds of relationships are critical for our success. Uh, we don't treat it like we win, everyone else has to lose. We look at everything as mm, there has to be balance. There has to be balance in relationships. You know, I have really found that to be true in so many franchised organizations, including my own experience. The franchisee to franchisee bond is so tight and mm -hmm. the help that's provided because you realize we all need to succeed. I can't succeed alone. I need them as well. And so you you have definitely um, confirmed that. Well, I want to move into your area of giving back because, gosh, do you give back? Um, what I read is, is just fascinating. So I'm going to um, ask you a couple questions about that. But, you know, I find that to be also very common in the franchising world. But you've started a few initiatives. So one was, it's fascinating to me, the Happy Birthday Park. Would you talk about that? Yes, this is a nonprofit I was involved with for many years. Um, the Hill Sisters are from Louisville, and they wrote the Happy Birthday song, which is considered the most recognized tune in the world, um, partly because their education mission was literally mission work, and they taught teachers songs and sent them out into other countries as, as missionaries to teach education and teach um, the basics of kindergarten. They, they were advocates for kindergarten. They weren't really trying to write the most recognized song in the world. They were, they were writing education songs for kindergarten. Um, and so Louisville, we are working um, on a park to, to recognize these two sisters. They're not, they don't, they're well known in Louisville, but um, there really is no major um, recognition of them in the city. So there is a park in the works and I was served on the board for many, many years. Um, so yes, it's a very exciting, interesting story. Yeah, when I first moved here to Louisville, that's one of the first things that I was told was about the happy birthday song <laughs> and the two sisters that wrote it. That's great. And then you also have signs of support. Would you tell us about that? Yeah, so early in our um, franchise business ownership experience, when we, and this was related to my business coach, um, Rachel Butler, um, we were dealing with people walking in the door pretty much almost every day saying, oh, I'm saving orphans or, oh, I'm saving dogs that are being abused or whatever, and we need a sign. And I'm very soft-hearted. My husband will definitely admit that's true. I'm very soft-hearted. And so it was really hard to say no, that you know someone's asking me for something I can easily make for a few dollars, and it might make a difference for them. But it was just overwhelming. And for especially as a new business owner, it was just like, you know, one day I get an ask and the next day I get another one. How do I decide? So we, she offered this idea that um, another friend of ours in franchising came, actually it's their idea that we borrowed. It was um, from Allegra Print and Imaging mm -hmm. is um, this grant program. So that when people come and ask me for something, I'm always free to say yes, right? Like if someone asks me for something, I'm free to say yes. But if I'm not sure, or I want to evaluate it, or maybe it's a no even, I'll ask them to fill out this paperwork for our grant. And then every year we launch the grant again and we give away a certain amount of signage. It could be 10,000 or 15,000, just depending on our year. Um, and then our employees actually review all the applications and decide what they want to give to. So it's nice to engage them in the decision-making. Um, we get a little press, which is nice because sometimes you just end up giving things away and you don't really get any 
sense of like, you know, your team doesn't get the pride of it and you don't get recognized by the community. So we've been doing this now for probably 17 years, I guess, 16 or 17 years. And now many other Sinoramas are using it. We share all the tools with them and everyone adapts it a little differently, which is so Sinorama. It's such our culture. Like I'm going to do it like that, but what I'm going to do is a breakfast. You know, people just do it in different ways. So we love that. And we encourage other Sinoramas to use it. It, it. It's been wonderful. It's been a great, a stressor off my mind to do it this way. Well, that's, well, putting the structure behind it definitely would make a difference. So what's next for you in the area of philanthropy? Well, this year, actually, I'm serving on the Metro United Way um, board. I am the chair of our board. So yes, that's Maddie, right. I'm on awesome. the cabinet. Mm-hmm. So we've been raising money for Metro United Way and using my network and relationships. Um, and that has been an incredible experience because I've been involved in so many things. I've been involved in so many nonprofit efforts and so many volunteer efforts, but Metro United Way feels like such a good fit for me. It's neighborhood. It's very much about what are we doing for our neighbors? They're very professional. They're very thoughtful about how they spend their money and getting results for it. It's very like tunes into my business owner mentality of like, well, I spent that money. What did I get? Um, So that has been thrilling to play at that kind of level up here with the with being the chair of that board. So it's been amazing. Okay. That's a big job. That takes a lot of time. I know that um, I've seen the work that's involved there. So that's a huge give back to the community. So I know the community of Louisville thanks you very much for that. That is, that is something, I mean, something. <laughs> Thank you. So I feel like I could go on and on. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions about Sinorama and then we'll wrap up. So what, what is the best support that you get from Sinorama as a franchisee? Um, well, the number one, as we've already mentioned, is the other franchisees because Sinorama and, and every franchise is different, but Sinorama actually doesn't sell signs. The franchise company does not sell signs. They sell franchises. So it's, you know, you go, you buy your franchise from them and they train you and they do a good job training you. And then they send you off into the world. And that's when the real training happens is when you call your other franchisees and go, holy cow, what do I do? How do I fix this? Or how do I sell this? Um, So the franchisees are far and away the most valuable part of the franchise. The franchise folks themselves are incredible mentors. I can call and I have, I've had the CEO mentor me. I've had the CFO mentor me. I've had their marketing people mentor me. So I never hesitate to ask them for support and help when I need it. If I'm like, I'm stuck in this project, I need your help. They're totally willing to do it. Um, That is probably the most valuable thing I get from them is just any help I need. They're, the answer is yes. You know, they're willing to help. Um, but I don't ask them how to make signs. I never ask them how to make signs. So know, know <laughs> what you're asking for, that they are experts in it. That's what I would say. And then every year they have um, an expo where they bring us all together and we get to spend time together and they put together education. And that is always like a huge boost. Like just, it's like a little energy boost, you know, in a video game, you swallow this little pill and suddenly yeah. you're like, Woo, I got my health back. It lifts you up. Yes. Oh, that's such a good analogy. Isn't that true? Those conferences always do that. Um, Always do that for sure. So we learned a lot today about you. We learned how you got started, how you work so well with your spouse, how you give back. What's next for Sinorama? Where is your future with your particular franchise? Well, we moved into a year ago, we moved into a new location. As you mentioned, we've this is our third location and it's three times the size of our previous location. So, and it's the first building we've owned. So that has been 
a sea change for us, both financially a sea change. And it just feels different. Owning your own real estate in, in a business just really feels like, okay, we have some kind of retirement plan. <laughs> um, so we're really excited about that. So we are on a mode of growth. So I think over the next couple of years, we're going to continue to explore what does that growth look like? Um, you know, we did really well in senior care, but we also see the volatility there. And we had one really big client. And for years, I've said they could walk away. And that client has shrunk. So now we're learning how to diversify into different markets and different clients. So um, we feel great. We feel like we're poised for the next couple of years for a lot of growth. And um, so that's what I'm planning on. And I think that's coming your way for sure. So one last question before you started in franchising, if you think about back then, is there anything that you wish you had known when you first started that you know today? Oh, that's such a great question. I wish I had been more willing to ask for help early on. Um, Those first couple of years, it was, you know, just this feeling of like, I hate to bug you, but whether it was my banker or whether it was the other franchisees or the franchise. And what I know now is I get those same phone calls from people who are like, I hate to bug you. And I'm like, bug me, bug me. It's totally fine. Like, it's great. And not having to figure everything out. Like everything I'm encountering, someone else has already encountered. So I would just say the thing I wish I'd known is bug anyone and everyone. Like, don't be afraid to just ask for what you need. You know, I'm so glad you said that because what I have found and actually what I teach the students is that same thing. People want to help. And especially folks who are starting out, whether you're in college, whether you're starting your business, they definitely want to. And I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you for agreeing to serve on the board at the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence. I'm so, very excited about that. I'm really excited very, to be on that excited. board and represent um, United Franchise Group. It is, um, it, I keep getting asked by them. They're like, when does meeting start? So everybody's really excited about this initiative. And I think that uh, UofL is the ideal partner for this. It's, it's just fantastic. Thank you. I so appreciate that. And thank you for your time, Maggie. And we'll be seeing more of your signs, I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks, thank Kathleen. Franchise U is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise U.